Hi, I'm Mark Olson, and this is The Real, a podcast where culture and entertainment meet. I write about movies here at The Times, and a frequent topic of conversation among my colleagues on the entertainment staff is how tough it is for any of us to just keep up with the relentless wave of content between movies and TV. So this show is about the stuff that we're watching and how we watch it. This week, on the day of the Golden Globe nominations, we gathered to sift through what it all means. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association are a notoriously eccentric voting group, often predictable, but also given to surprises and the unexpected. With no real crossover in voters to the Oscars, the Globes aren't exactly a predictor of anything, except when they are. As a barometer of vibes and narratives, who's running the best campaigns and shifting momentum, the Globes do matter to the overall atmosphere of award season. And so I was joined by Times Award columnist Glenn Whip, film reporter Amy Kaufman, and entertainment reporter Ashley Lee to talk our way through the nominations. Who's up, who's down, who's in, and who's on their way out. Let's listen in. Glenn, my first question is going to be for you, and I have a feeling you might know what it's going to be. Why do the Golden Globes matter? Do the Golden Globes matter? I kind of hope they do, right? Because we had to wake up really early this morning to cover them. You know, they matter in the sense that it's a, it's a great party. It's a fun awards show. Typically a lot more fun to watch than the Oscars. And, you know, it's 88 international journalists with a quote mark around journalists saying what their favorite movies are. Listen, and- Rami Malek just told me that he really respects <laughs> their journalism. Yeah. Yeah. So he, don't he's, trash. He's read. He doesn't know why people are so hard on them. enjoyed. I just remember the Drew Barrymore. Do you remember that airline magazine interview? That was very recent, yes. Yeah. Please enlighten was, the listeners. That was an HFPA. It was a very strange Egyptian air magazine written by an HFPA Golden Globe voter. And it had the most odd answers from Drew Barrymore to questions. Did they ultimately admit that it was kind of fabricated? It's still mysterious, Hmm. as is the jobs of a lot of the people who vote for the Golden Globes. And yet they matter because people take them very seriously and they're kind of a little bit of a momentum builder for some movies, including, I would say, the movie that received the most Golden Globe nominations this morning, which was Vice, the Adam McKay, Dick Cheney biopic, which nobody has seen outside of some critics, some HFPA members. It hasn't opened in theaters and won't until Christmas Day. There are no reviews up for this movie. There's a review embargo right now. How do people feel about it? I'm hearing a lot of mixed things, but the Golden Globes, people love it. Six nominations. Now, before we get too deep into the weeds on the specifics of the nominations, Amy, you have, in fact, attended the Golden Globes, like you've been in the room. And give me some sense from your perspective, how are they different from the Oscars? Like, what is the vibe like that's different from some other award shows? Well, as a journalist, it's much more fun to attend the Golden Globes. And I would argue that maybe it might be more fun to watch the Golden Globes as a viewer, because I think a lot of times the star quality, first of all, is higher. You have the worlds of film 
and television mixed together. You have like weird guest stars like Lady Gaga would be there in years prior, people who don't always frequent the Academy Awards. And in years past, the HFPA has garnered a reputation for loving those kind of stars. And so they'll nominate, you know, an Angelina Jolie or like a Meryl Streep when she has a very small role in something just to get them to turn up. And so as a journalist, you know, you have it's in the Beverly Hilton ballroom and all these tables are set up and there's three tiers and there's really no one policing it too intensely. So you can kind of wander down to the bottom tier during the commercial breaks and just observe Nicole Kidman talking to like Reese Witherspoon or whoever. And um, it's really fun and sort of a rare gathering of all those stars. And it's definitely a boozy event, too. Ashley, I think we had you on kind of the snubs and surprises beat this morning, writing about who didn't get nominated, people expected to get nominated, who what were maybe some of the surprises. And now, was there, in fact, a sort of a Globes folly? Was there a tourist this year, some movie that people really didn't expect to get any nominations, but just sort of showed up anyway? I think people were really surprised by how much love the HFPA had for Green Book, which has been a controversial movie throughout this entire award season. So it depends on what side of the debate you're on, whether you think it's a surprise that it was getting so many nominations, including director, which that final spot meant that the director of The Favorite and If Beale Street Could Talk also didn't get nominated instead, which is pretty surprising. And Glenn, do you have thoughts on why the HFPA in particular might have had so much affection for Green Book? People love Green Book. Audience Award at Toronto. A-plus cinema score. A-plus cinema score. A-plus. People are... That means that... Laughing and crying. And it's it's like planes, trains, and automobiles rolled up to... And with the odd couple and driving Miss Daisy. And it's about racial healing. And can't we all get along? And it's pretty easy to get along if you just take a road trip across the deep south. The point is that critics have had some issues with this movie, and I think justifiably so, but audiences, including Academy members, including obviously the HFPA, really do like this movie. Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali getting nominations, not a surprise. The inclusion for Best Drama, not a surprise. Peter Fairley for Director, that's kind of messed up. That oh, is- damn! <laughs> Fighting I mean, words. Why, you, know, you could have had Ryan Coogler for Black Panther. You could have had uh, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite. You could have had any woman at all. You could have had any woman at all. You could have had Barry Jenkins if Bill Street could talk. I mean, you're talking about some really great directors being overlooked for Peter Fairley. This is what gets into the question of do or how do the Globes matter? Does the fact that Peter Farrelly just picked up a Best Director nomination from the HFPA, does that mean anything moving forwards in the Oscar picture? Do you think that that while there is, is it one person votes in both both groups or no people vote oh, in both right. groups? I meant to that, look that up uh, again today, but I think there is one, there's an overlap of one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, how, so not exactly predictive. But. So does it mean anything? The director's branch of the Academy is a lot more discerning than the HFPA. And I can't imagine Peter Farrelly earning a nomination over Lanthimos or Barry Jenkins or, you know, any number of other people. But 
what it really means, though, is box office. I mean, this was a movie that kind of struggled a bit out of the gate, but it's been holding its own last week. Well, because when you have an A+, plus, I mean, as a former box office reporter, <laughs> when you have an A-plus cinema score, yes. that means the multiple, do you know what that is, is uh, when, so like the opening weekend tally of ticket sales will multiply by a higher average. Like when the when the cinema score, when the reactions from the opening weekend audiences are an A-plus, that's like so positive, it's guaranteed. Right. And when Widows, say, gets a B cinema score... It's and box no office. Golden Globe yeah, nominations. it's box office goes in the tank, and and you see the HFPA reaction to Widows, a movie that I know you liked, Mark. I do indeed. Uh, myself too, and but yeah, as Widows like see like that does feel like you know no love from HFPA and box office like is that just dead? Kind of like First Man too. Is that is that just dead? Sorry, it right? Seems like it. Yeah, First Man did get a couple nominations though. For score and Claire Foy, and for Claire Foy, which seems kind of a a sad showing, you know. <laughs> I mean, for a movie that that entered Telluride, for a movie for which I flew to Cape Canaveral. <laughs> yes, no more needs to be said. Clearly, now Ashley, you kind of hit us with a surprise there. What else is there in sort of the snubs and surprises category? that you think people should be paying attention to? As far as the film side, it was interesting that there were no original songs included from Mary Poppins Returns. It's very rare for a Disney movie musical, especially one released in the holidays, to not even get a single slot. And there were multiple submissions from this movie. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when the audiences at large see this movie in a couple weeks and whether there are any songs that they latch on to rather than the five that were nominated today. Like that is the most damning thing about a movie that let's just say Mary Poppins Returns, people are really digging this movie and it did get four nominations. And I've had Academy members come up to me and say, oh, I love this movie so much. And, and Amy's making a face and whatever. I let's get save it. Our, but, our, let's save our, our anger for the snub of <laughs> Sam Elliott, my personal <laughs> wow. like, okay. friend. Um, he was, he, but like my own like feelings of affection aside, Sam Elliott was, is like one of the front runners, I feel like, in the supporting actor category for Star is Born. And he was replaced by another Sam, Sam Rockwell. A Star is Born did do well overall. I mean, it's tied in second place for nominations with five, along with The Favorite and Green Book. And so it seems like that it's A Star is Born, Glenn, you tell me. Is it maintaining its kind of award season momentum through today? Our good friend of the show, Sam Elliott, aside. <laughs> and also the fact that it's, it's funny. I feel like I am asking myself the fact that it was only nominated for one song, that only Shallow was nominated. That means that, in fact, things are sort of coalescing around Shallow. And that's just like a complete lock from here to the Oscars. What else was eligible? All of them? I mean, I think at the Globes, it would be a pretty wide swath. I don't think they narrow it down the way that the Oscars do, although I don't know for certain. But yeah, I think there would have been a number of songs eligible. That's an Oscar that's already engraved to me. <laughs> I mean, that I'm singing this song mentally right now. It's going on. You just mention it and, and a loop is just clicked on in my head. I'm going to I'm going to spare the listeners any um, actual singing of the song. I'll leave that to Amy. Yeah. But Stars Born, 
to me, it's the Oscar race is going to boil down to Stars Born versus Roma. And one of those two movies will win. Roma's the critical favorite. And I think it's going to win most of the critics' awards. It's already won New York, maybe LA film critics this weekend. Mark, I know your vote is going to be secret until Mark Olson, a member as a myself. But now Roma is one of the interesting stories of today with the HFPA because of the fact that it was eligible in foreign language, which makes it ineligible for drama or comedy and for the main feature categories. So it picked up three nominations, two for Alfonso Cuaron as director and screenwriter, and then its foreign language nomination. Where does that put it? Ashley, what do you think about this sort of like where Roma sits after today? Well, I loved Roma so much and I wept like a baby and I probably embarrassed everybody around me when I saw it. Um, I was really bummed that the lead actress, Yalitzia Aparicio, did not get nominated. She's a first time actress and a lot of her performance is restrained. And that doesn't mean it's less worthy. I'm not sure what's going on there. Glenn, what, can you shed some light on that? It's a lot of great women this year. So very competitive category. I was hoping that she would be nominated too, because it would be a nice little signal and momentum builder for her. I'm going to leave that up to Mark for you to vote for her in LA Film Critics this weekend. Well, let's talk about the actress category in drama that we've got Lady Gaga, of course, for A Star is Born, Glenn Close for The Wife. Now, she's been much talked about all season by prognosticator types. What do you make of this nomination for Glenn Close and The Wife? I mean, it feels like a movie that's been seen as much as, say, Melissa McCarthy in Can You Forgive Me? I, I think their box office is just about the same, and the McCarthy movie is leaving theaters. Glenn Close has a very dedicated group of fans, and it's like Amy Adams. These are people that have never won an Oscar, and there are a lot of folks who would love to see them win an Oscar. I don't think, and it seems like we've talked about this, but I don't think this is the movie that Glenn Close wins for. But her window is closing a bit as she's getting older. Amy Adams still feels like she has probably a lot more chances, including this year for Vice playing Lynn Cheney. Well, but also she's double nominated, also nominated on the television side for Sharp Objects. So this could be one of those nights where it really turns into like an Amy Adams night. It and it, and in fact, I would imagine that that would be one of those things that really pushes the momentum forward for her in the Oscar frame because the Globes, the actual like ceremony will occur, I think, while Oscar voting is sort of still in process. So that when someone gets up there and they give a good speech, they present well, they put on a good show at the Globes, to my mind, that's really one of the times the Globes really matter is that it's like you're sort of auditioning for your Oscar speech a little bit. So I don't know if this will be one of those things that sort of helps someone like Amy Adams in particular, like sort of close the deal. I mean, it could. I Sometimes the voting window for the Oscars now is not as long as it used to be because it's now done online. And I think the assumption is that you can do it more quickly. It's just a week, I believe. And I don't know if that week, it doesn't fall, but it's going to be before. So yeah, they are definitely an audition kind of thing. I think you can make a good impression and you can make, I remember Tommy Lee Jones looking very angry at the Globes a few years back for Lincoln. And he was just his usual grumpy Tommy Lee Jones self, and people were all commenting on that. And 
yeah, he lost to Christoph Waltz that year, didn't he? I know one of the funner aspects, of course, of the Globes is their split between drama and comedy on the film side. And that leads to some of, you know, it opens up a few spaces for things. And I think especially uh, with the nominations for actors, that can always be a little bit fun as far as who gets nominated. So, I mean, here, the lead actor in musical or comedy, you have Christian Bale, of course, for Vice, Lin-Manuel Miranda for Mary Poppins, Viggo Mortensen for Green Book, Robert Redford for The Old Man and the Gun. And this is the first time he's gotten any real nominations for that performance that he had said was going to be his last screen role. He kind of tried to walk that back a little bit, and it seemed to kind of like take the air out of the balloon on the movie overall. So like, it'll be interesting to see if that kind of helps rebuild things. And then John C. Riley nominated for his role in Stan and Ollie, which I think is a movie that, again, not a lot of people have seen yet. It'll be interesting to see if that movie sort of like in that performance well, sort of takes yet. hold. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley, was there anything from the musical or comedy categories that jumped out for you? In the actress side, I mean, I stand Constance Wu forever. Crazy Rich Asians was obviously one of my favorite movies of the year. Such a crowd pleaser. So to see that get recognized in the overall category as well as in the lead actress was just so awesome. She's Constance Wu is so great in that. She deserves some more love. So I'm excited. And now Crazy Rich Asians, two nominations overall. So it was Constance and what was their other nomination? And the Best Picture oh, musical right. or comedy, yeah. And now do you think that that's kind of going to be the end of the line for the awards chances for Crazy Rich Asians? Or do you think that the push that they're kind of putting for it is going to actually get them some traction with the Oscars? I think it'll definitely resonate at the Screen Actors Guild Award next week, just because that is an award show that is voted on by other actors. There's ensemble awards. They definitely put a priority on comedy the way that the Globes tend to do. I think that Michelle Yeoh is still in talks to seriously potentially get some Oscar love, which I would love to see. And I hope there's more, but it seems like this is the beginning of crowd pleasers being recognized at the Oscars, which is great to see Black Panther get some love today too. Hopefully there's some Oscar love there as well. Glenn, how do you think how Black Panther did today? What does it kind of mean about where it sits in its awards campaign? Because they're really, they've got a very major campaign going for that movie, which is unusual for a film like Black Panther. Yeah, I mean, it got recognition as one of the year's 10 best movies from AFI, the American Film Institute, on Tuesday. And then this Best Picture Drama nomination today, which I believe is the first Marvel nomination period for a Golden Globe. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's looking good. It, I mean, I've been writing about this since August, but Disney's spending a lot of money. They're very committed. They've hired awards teams. And it seems to be paying off. I mean, not that the movie needs any help. It's a great movie. And it's just kind of negotiating what award season voters think of as a best picture. But I think Black Panther is going to be nominated for Best Picture. I think that's a pretty sure bet now. Awesome. That's really happy to hear that. (laughs) Now, one thing I want to be sure that we cover is, was it just yesterday, all the way ago at Wednesday, that the Globes (laughs) announced their hosts? It had been a big sort of source of mystery all the past like week or so. People had really started talking about the fact that the Academy Awards did not have a host. The Globes did not have a host. The Academy Awards, they announced... Kevin Hart, they were going to be their host. And then the very next day, the Globes announced that they were going to have the team of 
Andy Samberg and Sandra Oh hosting the ceremony this year. And how do we feel about that? Not so much with Kevin Hart, but with Andy Samberg and Sandra Oh, who apparently I think they had presented together the Emmys. And I don't know now if every random pairing of celebrities at a award show is now a de facto audition for them to host some other award show. How do we feel about this pairing? Ashley? I think that moment seriously resonated to book them a gig so many years later. But Not I with me because I literally don't remember it. <laughs> what was so good? It was a funny. It was funny. It what was funny do? in a dry Emmys night. It was funny. But well, it'll be interesting to see what they turn out together, especially because Andy Samberg's Brooklyn Nine-Nine is obviously returning to NBC later in the year. And Sandra Oh is also nominated this year. So host slash nominee Sandra Oh co-hosting with Andy Samberg. So that'd be cool. Amy, what do you think about that pairing? Meh. I'm not down for like a like, let's throw two totally different people together. Like Sandra Oh is like has some heat right now with Killing Eve and like Andy Samberg, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was cool like three years ago. Like, he's not of the moment. I That's a weird choice to me. But he's got some hosting duties under his belt. We've seen him host at the Independent Spirit Awards, I think maybe even more than once. And so he has some feel for what the job is, where as opposed to a lot of people who wouldn't. To me, he's if not, you're going to do enough. like presenter pairings, if you're going to follow your suggestion here, Tiffany Haddish and Maya Rudolph. Right. Just presented at the Oscars last year and we're Tiffany great. Haddish and legit anyone. Yeah. Tiffany Haddish well, and Sandra O. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Maybe next but, year. But that would have been a great pairing if you're using that as a kind of a starting point. Just neither of them like feel that well known to the general public to me. Like Kevin Hart sells out huge stadiums. Like are Andy Samberg and Sandra O oh that popular? I think the low expectation might be helpful in this instance, or I'm going to be optimistic about it and just nobody knows what to expect. And then therefore they can blow our minds and actually make us laugh in a, in a non-political late night host way, which might be the angle that they're going for here. And maybe as we head towards wrapping up this conversation on the Golden Globe nominations, I want to give each of you a chance to like shout out one nomination that you're particularly excited about. Ashley, was there anything that you particularly liked? Besides Constance Wu, I think I'm just going to stick with that. I think I'm going to go home and watch Crazy Rich Asians again. I'm going to go find a green ring in honor of Michelle Yeoh. And I think I'm going to call it a night. Yeah. Amy, was there a single nomination that really stuck out for you? I was happy for Elsie Fisher, who's the 15-year-old star of eighth grade. And she had to go to school today. And she's taking some classes online, I guess, because she's like an actor school. She takes online P.E. I was like, girl, oh my God, jealous. Like, I had to run around the track and stuff. But, you know, what a way to celebrate. Glenn? I'm just going to say Nicole Kidman because I got to talk to her on the phone. (laughs) And you can read that story at (laughs) latimes.com. I feel like we've given short shrift to the TV side of the nominations. Are there any, like, top line? I have literally not looked at any of the TV nominations. (laughs) Although I hear they're just a hot mess. I (laughs) hear that uh, there's no Atlanta... Well, Donald Glover was nominated as actor, but the show itself was not nominated. I mean, here's the thing about Golden Globes, HFPA, and TV. They just churn through television, and they don't care if they gave you the Golden Globe the year before. They won't nominate you the next year. This is us, like completely shut out. I remember seeing that whole cast way up front. Oh, my God, this is us, NBC, so exciting. Now it's like, 
Julia Roberts and Stefan James and Homecoming, whatever the hot new I thing like is. I like your podcast voice. Oh, well, thank you. They're really into <laughs> Netflix's The Kominsky Method, which is pretty surprising over Atlanta. Also, lots of love for the second season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which dropped yesterday, so just barely eligible, as well as other new shows like Barry and Kidding. But overall, leading the race was FX's show The Assassination of Gianni Versace, The American Crime Story from Ryan Murphy. Also, a breakthrough nomination was for FX's Pose as well as for Billy Porter. So that was great to see. Yes, they do churn through shows, but it's great to see sometimes when they nominate some good news. And the first one for Bravo based on an LA Times podcast, Dirty John. Well, actually, you bring up an interesting point there, actually, where I know we, we complain about the Emmys a lot, that they tend to get stuck in a rut and they sort of nominate the same shows and the same people over and over and over again. And the Globes have sort of the opposite problem. We get mad at them for that, too. I mean, there's got to be a happy medium. It's as if we, as awards no. watchers and pundits, were just a, an inherently unhappy group of people who will never be satisfied, no matter what the nominees are. Except for the LA Film Critics Awards, Mark, which um, I know you're going to be very pleased with on Sunday. And with that, Amy, where can people find your work online? Find me at Amy K in LA. <laughs> Glenn? I'm at Glenn Whip, two ends, two whip. P's. Don't forget the whip. <laughs> whip. Ashley, where can people find you online? I'm at Cashley Lee. What? The C is there for no reason. And, of course, you can find me at Indie Focus. And so for the LA Times Studios and The Real, I'm Mark Olson. Thanks for listening.